0: from Michigan Radio. This is It's Just Politics. I am Zoe Clark. Michigan's new Democratic-controlled legislature began session this week. It is
1: significant that the gavel is changing hands from Republicans to Democrats. For the first time
0: in four decades. Lawmakers were sworn in. I now declare you'd have been sworn in as senators in the Michigan Senate. And agendas were laid out.
1: Supporting working families, making sure that we're growing uh, our economy.
0: It took 40 years for Democrats to gain control of the executive branch, the state house and the state senate all at once. But it took just a matter of hours to get this new session formally underway. So, on today's show, all about the week that was in the new 102nd Michigan Legislature. Dave Boucher is here. He is government and politics reporter at the Detroit Free Press. Hey, Dave. Hello. Jordan Hermony, legislative reporter for MLive. Happy Friday the 13th, Jordan. Thank you. Thank you. Always
2: fun to be on.
0: And Rick Pluta, it's Just Politics co-host and senior capital correspondent for the Michigan Public Radio Network. Hi, Rick. Hello. Okay, so let's just do a really quick round, Robin. I want to hear from each of you your very quick takeaways about the week that was. Uh, Jordan, let's start with you.
2: Well, first and foremost, I think Democrats really sent the message that they are not going to waste any time with their time at the helm of the legislature with a Democratic governor behind them. Immediately out the gate, we saw them introduce a flurry of bills, including repealing retirement taxes on Michigan seniors, boosting a, an income tax credit for, for working families. They want to add protections for gender and sexual identity to the state's civil rights laws. Basically, Democrats said, hey, you know, you put us in charge. I think Joe Tate said something to the effect of he's the, the new speaker of the House. He said something to the effect of, you know, these are the priorities that Michiganders voted us in on, and these are what we're going to get done come hacker high water. Dave Boucher, your takeaway?
1: Yeah, I, I agree with what Jordan's saying, that obviously, you know, we saw Some of these agendas that that were laid out, I do think it's really interesting, too, that the bills, some of the bills that we've seen from Republicans, specifically House Republicans, largely mirror some of the priorities that Democrats introduced in terms of retirement taxes and expanding what's called the earned income tax credit. It's It's that tax break for the working poor in Michigan. It's, it's also just um, classic Lansing that Republicans specifically, but also Democrats, found a way to fight over the <laughs> procedure involved here, when in reality, they are very close on policy and that there's a world where they could come together and pass these, these tax changes seemingly very quickly. And yet they found ways to fight over who got to stand in line first and who got their bill to be number one and who got to, you know, other just procedural stuff that, frankly, Michiganders probably care less about than the actual policy. So that was, um, well, some things change, some things stay the same.
3: Rick Pluta? Um, you know, actually, I, I want to just sort of um, go along with what Dave just said, this this fight over who gets to uh, introduce the first bill, because there is some... Um, cachet that comes with being able to introduce bill number one and what it is. But here's a technical thing about the way bill numbering in the House works so that there's not confusion with the Senate. They start at four thousand and one. And so this wasn't a fight over Bill number one. This is a fight over bill number 4001, which just I think sort of speaks to some of the ridiculousness that uh, we're seeing as this competition gets underway.
0: I want to talk about the EITC right to work, but I I guess we're going to go and jump in right now with this that a, a Republican lawmaker actually spent the night, overnight, in the state capitol in order to be the first one to introduce the bill. Uh, Rick, fill us in a little bit about what exactly happened here, and then we are going to get into uh, some of these legislative agenda items.
3: Yeah. Representative Beeler, a uh, Republican, uh, like you said, slept overnight in the Capitol in order to be first in line to introduce the first bill, 4001, of the House session. But second, in line was the new house speaker joe tate and it became a bit of a standoff that you know it drew a, a small crowd to watch how it was going to play out they were uh, both there and we saw a a, a lesson in um, the prerogatives of majority is that uh, eventually joe tate said enough of this walked away went back to his office uh, rep beeler got to be the first one to turn in his bill and then when it came time to stack them in order of which ones were officially entered first it was still the uh, uh the democratic bills that uh speaker tate was uh planning to uh planning to drop off which is clearly going to have No effect on how these things move in the coming session.
0: Yeah, but Jordan, help me out here because I'm I'm having trouble with just sort of this overall sense of, I don't know if the word is decorum or tradition, but this... Also, you know, that there's this vote for the Speaker of the House, you know, folks know in Lansing that Joe Tate has the votes, right? And yet there was also this group of lawmakers, Republican lawmakers, who voted against Joe Tate. And it's really just not done in Lansing. You you vote as sort of a symbolic goodwill gesture. What does this sort of tell us about where, I guess, the Republicans are, but the relationship between the party?
2: Well, so you saw the individuals who did vote against Tate's confirmation as speaker. Uh, several of them do identify with this sort of small cohort within the Michigan Republican Party in the state House of state House Republicans, excuse me, uh, calling themselves the Freedom Caucus. And effectively, they are uh, a group of Republicans who are, are seeming to buck uh, Republican leadership slightly on, on certain issues. I mean, Right out of the gate, you saw them protesting the fact that they hadn't seen the House rules before they were going to be put up for a vote. And the House rules sort of set the decorum for the rest of the year. And so you had these individuals uh, vote against Speaker Tate's confirmation. Uh, The last time I can think of somebody who was voted against for Speaker was Jace Bolger. Uh, or not a Republican for Speaker of the House, and you saw, I believe, two Democrats at the time vote against the Speakership, but that was symbolic based off of a a larger scandal that was playing out at the time. So with Tate, you didn't necessarily have any scandal, so this concept of Republicans voting against him um, sort of opened up this uh, viewpoint that there are there are smaller factions within the State House Republicans that, you know, they're not they're not lockstep. It's 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 not one unified message. And that's going to set the tone for the rest of this session that, you know, if Democrats only have a small ability to say that they have majority in the House, they have a, a one effectively seat majority where if one Democrat defects and votes with Republicans, we're at a 55-55 tie. Nothing can happen. But I mean, Republicans are, are looking at that and they're saying, hey, you know, Democrats really need to work with us because if they lose even one vote, um, they can't pass policy if we're against it. but if you also have this smaller cohort of Republicans that they're not even in line with what Republicans want to do, it sort of leaves this chess game
0: going on for for the rest of this term mm-hmm. and Dave I mean we can't then not say how much this feels like it mimics what's happening in Washington right now
1: yeah I think it, it I think it does to some degree I, I, I will note that the perhaps largest difference here is that in Washington, Republicans are in power. Right. They have the majority. And in Lansing, they're not. And I think that we are seeing that people are getting used to what it means when you are the minority party, right? We know that, for example, in Lansing, that when you're the minority party in the in the House or in the Senate, that you get less funding for your staff. You get essentially less perks of the gig, right? And so, you know, it should be no surprise that the Speaker of the House, who essentially sets the rules for the House, gets to decide who gets to file the bills first. And Lawmakers can carp about that and we can see eight people vote against him. But at the end of the day, you know, the citizens of Michigan probably don't care um, if it was a 98 to 8 or whatever the margin was vote, 102 to 8 vote or, or a unanimous vote. They care, as Republicans and Democrats are saying, about whether or not they can afford groceries and whether or not they can fill up their cars and, uh, you know, whether or not their kids are... Are able to account for pandemic learning loss. Like the, these are the things that the Michiganers are going to care about. They're not going to care about the machinations of, you know, who gets to do something first. Um, and again, we hear this all the time from politicians. I, I, Joe Tate told me this recently, and Matt Hall, the leader of the House Republicans, told me this recently. People don't like the toxicity of politics. Mm-hmm. And yet it's incumbent on leaders to get rid of that, right? Uh, and we did see Matt Hall. Uh, nominate Joe Tate's speak uh, uh candidacy for speaker he he gave a speech about working together we saw Eric Nesbit the minority leader Republican minority leader in the Senate do something similar for Senate majority leader Winnie Brinks um and there are issues again <laughs> where there's large agreement and in theory Republicans and Democrats could come together next week and take up those issues they are not new issues they were on the table essentially all of last legislative session and there are new lawmakers but still these are not these are issues that people are familiar with and in theory could find compromise on
3: relatively quickly and those uh, lawmakers who sent a signal that they're going to be troublemakers in this session with their no votes on uh, Joe Tate um, were each given just a single committee assignment, which means usually you you are assigned to two or three, uh, which means that their ability to affect policy in a practical sense is going to be limited. And Andrew Beeler, the one who uh, jumped in front of line to... Uh, Joe Tate to getting the first um, bill in. His sole committee assignment is the Joint Committee on Administrative Rules, which is almost as boring as it sounds. And it has zero policymaking power. All they do is review rules submitted by the executive branch.
0: That's Rick Pluta of the Michigan Public Radio Network. We are also joined by Dave Boucher of the Detroit Free Press and Jordan Hermony with MLive. So, Jordan, let's get back to really Democrats sort of showing their hand finally this week, right? There's been sort of so much talk since November when Democrats won the chambers. What were they going to do first? And this week they showed us a prevailing wage, repealing the pension tax, repealing the state's 1931 law that criminalizes abortion, making sure that sexual orientation is part of the state's Elliot Larson Civil Rights Act. What does all of this tell you right now about Democrats and what they're doing right out of the gate? I think it just shows that they're not going to be doing
2: a lot of hand-wringing or going to take advantage of the opportunity of being in leadership. I mean, like we said at the top, this is the first time in four decades that we have had a Democratic governor, a Democratic Senate and a Democratic House all at the same time. And there really isn't a moment to waste. So like I think it was Dave said, a lot of these, for instance, with the uh, earned income tax credit or the retirement pension tax, I mean, there is a genuine bipartisan appetite, looking at the plans, they're not all that different. And, and Governor Whitmer even said yesterday during a press conference that, you know, there's these bills are not on her desk. There's plenty of room for negotiation. Uh, there can be a way that Democrats and Republicans do get a win on things like tax relief for Michiganders. Um, but the real interesting thing was right after we saw this dueling tax plan thing play out this week. Democrats announced that they would be focused on, as well, rolling back Michigan's right-to-work laws, Mm -hmm. and that was something that Republicans had put a stake in the ground before Democratic lawmakers had even taken up the gavel in either chamber, saying, if you pursue this, it is going to be a tough time for you guys. So, I mean, right-to-work, it is uh, essentially... Uh, Where we're at now is there's a ban on compulsory payment of union dues for public and private sector workers. Republicans who have championed this say that this is helping businesses expand Democrats say that this is anti worker and hurts workers and their ability to bargain. And Democrats, as long as they stay in locks up with one another, they do have the votes to pass this on their own, but they are going to see a tough fight
0: in the process. Dave, I'm fascinated by this idea of Governor Whitmer continually saying, even though we won and we're in power, this isn't necessarily a mandate, Uh, seemingly not wanting to to move too far to the left too quickly. Um, But then all of this being on the table this week.
1: Yeah. So I think that it's really important to note that there's a huge difference between introducing legislation and actually voting on legislation. Yep. I think it's I think it's also really important to note that under the new Democratic leadership in the House and the Senate, that there were new committees established that are specifically focusing on labor. To me, that is a sign that those committees will will look at the right to work issue, but not necessarily move on it rapidly. And I've spoken with several current and former lawmakers who are also telling me that they don't think that this is going to be an issue that comes out right out of the gate. And and another sign that it's not going to be something that potentially is is voted on in the, the coming days, at least, is that the bills that the Democrats introduced in the House and the Senate are just different. And so the fact that those bills are different to me also indicates that there's just not lo- quite potentially yet lockstep on that particular issue, as opposed to, say, expanding the EITC, the Earned Income Tax Credit, which we heard Governor Whitmer introduce in her state of the state last year. We saw the the head of the Small Business Association of Michigan and the Myth- Michigan Catholic Conference wrote an editorial last year calling on lawmakers to expand this. There's, there's bipartisan support for that. Whereas something, again, like Rights work is probably going to be something that, that takes a little bit more time. It, it's also really important to note, logistics sound really boring, but they're really important. And no Democrat who's in that the legislature right now has ever led a committee meeting. So these, and that's really important to figuring out changes to bills, how bills actually make it through the sausage making process. And so again, I had a lawmaker, a uh, uh, Former House Minority Leader Donna Lazinski, she was the head of the Democratic Party for the House the last two years, said that she would be surprised if anything major moved out of the legislature until March, just because there's the logistics of learning how to be in the majority. So I think, again, we're probably going to see some of the, again, those the retirement and working family tax credits potentially move sooner, but right to
3: work and potentially other thorny issues could take some time. Um, and to Dave's point, a lot of what's happening you know, right now, you know, between the beginning of the year and, and now and so on, is just pr- literally practicing holding the gavel, holding practice sessions in the floor of the House and the Senate with the people who are going to be the floor leaders so they know how to make the correct motions, how to call on people to speak, for presiding officers to you know understand all of the technicalities and the rules that will make a difference in, in how these uh, things proceed, to make sure that we don't notice when there are hiccups in, in how things are uh, rolling along. One of the things that you have to manage when you're in the majority is to decide how quickly and how dramatically you're going to move, especially out of the gate. And it doesn't necessarily hurt to have things like um, right to work hanging out there so that you're building coalitions and support within your internal, that is in the House and the Senate uh, membership, and external or all the constituencies that are out there to drive things that are happening. I think they've got to do something early and quick to show that they're acting. And I think that that will likely be uh, repealing the um, Michigan abortion bill, which is already dormant because of a, a state constitutional amendment. And that would send a big signal to Democrats and the public that they're in charge. And regardless of how long it takes, they do intend to use their majority.
0: Well, and we are very grateful because we have uh, the three of you watching all of this for us and bringing us the latest from the Capitol. We have been joined by Rick Pluta of the Michigan Public Radio Network, Jordan Hermony with M Live, and Dave Boucher of the Detroit Free Press. Hey, y'all, thanks so much for your time today and for all the work you did this week.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thanks. And that is It's Just Politics for today. Week one in the books for Michigan's 102nd legislative session. And hey, if you want to actually meet and talk with, ask questions of some of these new lawmakers and returning lawmakers, come on out for our next It's Just Politics Issues and Ale event. Wednesday evening, January 18th at Urban Beat in Lansing. It begins at 6.30. We will be joined by Democratic Senator Mallory McMurro, Republican State Rep Brian Postumus, and others. Ask them your questions. You can join in person or virtually. Register to attend at michiganradio.org slash events. I'm Zoe Clark. Thanks so much for listening. Talk again next week.